Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Insects is my kind of creep you out a little bit. There are more insects in one square mile of rural land than there are human beings on the entire earth. It's a lot. Yeah. That's disgusting. That makes sense. Give me some Deutsch fruit vibes right there. Facts. A single human chromosome contains 20 billion bits of information. So how much information is that? If written in ordinary books, in ordinary language, it would take about 4,000 volumes of books. 680 terabytes. Comets have a vapor, uh, a vapor trail up to 10,000 miles long. And if you were to capture all that vapor and put it into a bottle, the amount of vapor actually present in the bottle would take up less than one cubic inch of space. One cubic inch, one inch by one inch by one inch, spread over by 10,000 miles long from a comet. That's the amount of vapor. Last one, Saturn's rings are 500,000 miles in circumference, but only about a foot thick. Just some fun facts wow. I thought I'd start off with today. So last week we were um, in Colossians 2, we are um, talking about, reading about what it means to be complete in Christ. Um, anybody remember anything specific from last week? Anything ring a bell or straight out to anyone? What's that? It's um, the Echo Cave. The Echo Cave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what about it? Uh, that I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, the the, um, the tree that went all the way down into the cave. Yeah, the oh, tree, yeah. The, the tree with, <laughs> with the, the deepest roots, roots uh, went 400 feet deep um, into a cave, found water source. And we also talked about the tree with the largest canopy, um, being three acres wide, 1,350 feet, um, with the large largest canopy that was in uh, Africa. Uh, no, uh, somewhere out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In one of the at least seven countries. Yeah. Okay, so we got some random facts. What else? Anybody remember anything else from last week? Don't like don't be like deceived by like like philosophies and just like 
Philosophy isn't just a seat in general. Mm-hmm. Don't fall into it. Just mm-hmm. stick with Christ. Yep. Paul was warning the Colossians about, um, you know, being aware of false teachings out there, marked with, um, you know, yeah, this big, you know, this false philosophy. Yep. Your faith will only be as established as your roots are deep. And completeness in Christ is a fact to be enjoyed, not a status to be achieved. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Your faith will only be established as your roots are deep. And then uh, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. Yeah. I'm talking about how like Christ is fully God. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool for the Awesome. Cool. Good stuff, guys. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good recap of Colossians chapter 2. Um, today we're taking it back a little bit, going to Colossians 1. Yes, I did that on purpose. Um, we're going to be going through chapter 1 today of Colossians. Um, so I gave you guys a little bit of, of uh, context behind the book of Colossians, of Paul writing it to the people of Colossia, Colossiae, how do you pronounce it? Um, the Colossians. So he's writing to them with those um, two main reasons of... Um, Uh, the Colossian Christians were worshiping Greek and Roman gods, and so he's he's addressing their pressure to turn away from Jesus and challenging them to greater devotion to Jesus. That was one thing, and then also he's addressing the pressure that the Colossians were facing from the Jewish Christian community to you know, you know observe the laws of Torah, keeping sacred days holy, and being circumcised and staying kosher. All these you know Jewish religion, um, Jewish specific things. So he's addressing those two things throughout this book, which we saw a lot in chapter 2, and we'll see some more of that in chapter 1 here. But with that context in mind, uh, we're going to start off reading chapter 1. We're going to go nice and slow, but let's go ahead and do, uh, from the beginning, verse 1 through 5. Anybody want to take that? I'll go ahead and take it. Go for it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are the Colossi, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Cool. So, seems like a nice little intro. You know, mm-hmm. Paul is letting it be known that he's the one writing this letter, who he's writing it to. Um, what are you guys' thoughts so far? Pretty Seems pretty self-explanatory, but what do you guys see going on here? Kind of start to see a little bit of his reason for for writing it. See a little bit of his heart in it, of Paul's heart in it. Like putting an emphasis on Jesus Christ, the Lord and the Father, like God the Father, just giving like a good intro of like pretty much who he is, I guess. Like this, he's like saying this isn't just kind of like piggybacking off the second. Like this isn't just like another philosopher coming to you. This is Paul, well Christ Jesus. This is who. Giving you some gospel, the truth. Cool. I wonder if in, in like I guess older texts it would say the logos, 
mm-hmm. like the word like this is like the word the cosmos or it was something like what, what word they actually used to like emphasize to the Greeks like hey this is this is real word this is the truth is the gospel Yeah, just a reminder, um, this is, he's writing, you know, as he said in the verse 2, he's writing to, the, to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, Colossae, um, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people that Paul has never met, and he's, he's writing it, you know, whether he's been there before or not, you know, but he hasn't met these people before, um, so he's writing it, um, he didn't see... Sorry, one second. Paul didn't need to see or meet the people in order to love them and to be concerned for them, to have love for them, and to want to help them. He's doing this full of love and and concern for them. Verse 3, you can kind of see uh, a habit of prayer here already. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so we've already seen it, like, he's always praying for them, which is a pretty cool thing. To know that someone like Paul, who had an encounter with Jesus, and he's now, he's now telling them that he's always praying for them, giving thanks to God for them. He's never met them before, and he's praying for them. Pray for them not only often, but always. Verse 4. Why is Paul thankful? Three reasons. What are those three things from verse 4? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, because of the hope you laid up for you in heaven? Like, is that the three you're looking for? Yeah. Faith, love, okay. faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's thankful because of their faith. But not just because they have faith, but because they have faith in Jesus. He's thankful that... He's thankful for... The love. The love for all God's people which comes from their hope. Their hope, again, in God. Not just, oh yeah, we're hopeful. But he's, he's thankful because of their faith, hope, and love. Alright, let's go on a little bit. Let's do 6 through 8. Who wants to take it? I'll take it. Which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful master, minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. see going on there so far? Um, 
Tritian Colossus bearing fruit, and um, I mean, people all over are uh, hearing about it. Um, and yeah, they, I guess they have um, significant influence um, where they are, and uh, God's grace is being recognized in that. Um, and uh, uh, Paul is hearing this from Epaphras. Um, and uh, yeah, Epaphras has been telling Paul about the uh, love and the spirit that the church in Colossae is exemplifying. Yeah. And what's this fruit that they're bearing? What's it doing? Changing lives. Mm -hmm. Changing lives. Verse 6, he says, It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. And verse 6, you know, he, he's saying also that this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. So it's like, the gospel is spreading, guys, and this same fruit that you guys have been bearing, it's changing lives. And that gospel is going everywhere across the world, he's saying. It's, so lives are being changed everywhere. And he's letting them know how important it is that, you know, hey, just like it changed your lives, you know, it's, it's going to change a lot of lives. I like how at the end of 6, it said, like, if, since you've heard it and knew of the grace of God, so there's an idea that they have at least, they've heard it and they know, like, the word of God, they know God as, as either, they know his grace and that they learn from I can't say it either. Epaphras? Mm -hmm. Epaphras? Oh, yeah. It sounds like almost like a pre preacher, almost. Like this guy, he ministered to them. Of, they men or a faithful minister of Christ. So they learned from someone that was of Christ. And then because of that, he also declares that you have love in the Spirit. That they're this, that they weren't just some church that claims, claims things. It's like, no, they're actually, they hear and know the grace of God. They had someone teach them this, and that's showing proof. So I think, I just think it's cool to note that that's like how we could go about. It. Like if we want to, if we want these kind of fruits to be changing in the world, that we have to also hear and know the grace of God. We have to learn not just by ourselves, but with someone else helping us to learn. Yeah. What are the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, patience. There's like nine, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And those, you know, those things change lives, as he's saying here. Those, that same fruit is changing lives. Those have changed your lives. I wonder if, I mean, it doesn't necessarily say here, but I wonder, and I feel like it's probably the case in these days, if that fruit is kind of taken for granted mm -hmm. and Kind of held back, forgotten about, not realized the the effect that it can have on the world of how love and joy and self-control and patience and all these things can have such an effect on the world, changing lives all across the world. That just that thought just came to mind right now. I wonder if these people. You know, they're, they're early on in their faith and 
you know, they don't have God's word like we have God's word today, but I wonder how, if it was taken for granted or not, of how powerful this is. Who wants to take that? I got it. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience joyfully, giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thoughts, comments?
<laughs> That's awesome. Verse 9, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. What would you, what would you do, how would your life look differently if you knew, if you had complete knowledge of God's will? trying new things. Like, if I know, like, well, well, since I already know, I might as well keep going because I know God's going to at least, because in the end I know God's got me, so I might as well keep trying something new. But, you know, it just, it's just, I guess, human nature to, you, someone tells, like, even, like, because you can like, kind of use, like, your own parents, that's kind of like an imagery of God. Like, our parents tell us all the time, do this. Why? Because I'm your parent. <laughs> but then God does that all the time. Like, he says, do this. Why? Because I'm God, don't ask me a question. Don't, you don't need to know, just do it. It's for our good, too. It's exactly, it's for our good. Yeah. Exactly, we do it all the time. And I think even God told us his will, we do the same thing we do with our parents. We told them what our parents say, and we do what we want to do anyways. But we think, oh, I got some extra knowledge. I'll keep that in mind, but I'll try to make something better, because I think I know better than you. But I think that's what would happen if we knew. I think it's better that we don't know. We just keep walking faithfully in the Spirit and not try to know I like verse 10 a lot because it talks about uh, that ye, oh this is King James <laughs> that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God That make, that make that's so powerful to me because um, just being able to know to kind of know like that you know, God loves us and God is gracious, but he wants us to be holy for him and stuff like that. And um, to to be surrendered all to him. And that kind of just, that, that stood out to me, just being like, to walk worthy of the Lord. Because the Lord, the Lord, you know, we all, we all in this room know the Lord doesn't like sin and stuff like that. But he loves us so much. Yeah, and then also the part where it says being fruitful in every good work, that 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 just makes it. I'm thinking about my own path, how the Lord's been allowing certain people to come into my life, allowing, you know, certain things to grow my character and the and the person that He wants me to be. Like, do you guys notice that? How it seems strange sometimes. How, um, you know, there'll be like a situation that you may be stuck in, but when you get out that situation, like just. The, the the fruit that you that you grew and stuff after that trial's gone and things like that that's what that's what I see this verse as yep. cool. to your point about knowing God's will I mean like my immediate thought was like I'll probably have a lot less anxiety and life will be easier but I mean the reality is it's like taking Psalm and says that Sometimes I'm like, I want a floodlight. Like, show me everything. It's around the corner. Like, show me all that. But um, <laughs> in Exodus, when he took the 
says, this is Exodus 13, 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So it's like God knew. It's like if I show you this now, you're going to be too afraid of it. You're going to run away. So instead he took them a long way. And in so doing, they were prepared. sticks out to me is like that Paul has the faith to say like all knowledge not just the knowledge that ready for and willing to accept is this a different type of knowledge or is it will I kind of want to retake my answer yeah, no, <laughs> well, because like, I'm reading it again I was like well Maybe I do want knowledge of his will, because if I don't, then I guess I'm not in the word of God then. Because I think I, when I thought of it, I was more like the plan for my life. If I knew his, my, his plan for me, then I would try to mess it up. But then if I knew his will, I knew it, then I had spiritual understanding of like who he is and understand who God is and how to understand his heart. Is that more so what this kind of will is? Like what kind of will you is You kind of hit both answers that I was looking for. <laughs> oh, you hit what I was expecting people to say. I'm like sitting here, I'm like, I'm like, like I'm feeling bad. I'm like, well, no, you, you hit around. Like, I don't want to know who God is. <laughs> no, you, you, I think you hit around the mark of what I was expecting people to answer, and then you re-brought it back to. I think, I think you got the mark now. I think you got okay, what I was, I was going that for. Does not sound good Spiritual wisdom. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good because, it, yeah, he says we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I think sometimes we we look at it as one and the same, like what is God's will, right? I mean, what is God's plan for my life? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to live? Who am I going to marry? Where should I go to school? You know, what job should I get? Like, you know, all these big things. Like that's God's will. What's what's God's will for my life, right? But I think we I think we might kind of use the two kind of blur the lines together with God's will and the path that we'll take or his plan for our life. I think I think it's a little bit of overlapping, but I think we might be maybe I think we probably tend to kind of blur those lines together in general. But what is God's will in general? Don't overthink it. What is God's will? To be saved. Okay. It's good, pleasing and perfect. What else? What, is, what else does God will for us? Act justly and mercy while we wait for God. Come on. I was waiting for you to bring out the song and sing it. Oh, I'm singing on it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blow all that down to four words. Love God, love people. That's it. As simple as it is. That's it. That's the only reason we're here too. That we have to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. I think that's God's will. God's will is for us to love Him and to love others. But all those other things are. I think that's all with it too. You know, and it doesn't say we pray. We ask God that He gives you complete knowledge of 
the rest of your life of what you're going to be doing with it, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding, right? Because like if we knew, I think Garrett, kind of like what you first said, if we knew what he had for us, we probably messed it up, mm -hmm. right? It's like anyone in any movie who knew the future, they try to prevent the future, and they just make it happen. We talked about that so many times. Exactly. That's the entire show. I kind of tried to do that. I kind of tried to do that. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to fail at this, so let me take every precaution I can to not fail. You're going you're gonna to create the inevitable from what's about to happen. <laughs> to quote Master Uguay, one often finds their destiny on the path they take to avoid it. Yep. I, I think it's, it's all... And then I, I think it's all like, based off of a certain type of truth. And an endgame that had to let it happen to go back to fix it. Ooh. Yeah, I try, I try to play God. I try to take a shortcut. And yep. yeah, it, yep. only that, on his timing. All that to say, knowing God's will and having complete knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding does not equal knowing our future. God's will. What is God's will for you in this very moment? Love God, love people. What about tomorrow when you're faced with difficult situations and people who are unlovable and people who are rude and people who are jerks and this and that and the other and, and you have hardships going through? Well, praise Him through it anyway. Love God, love people. That's His will for you in the moment. Now, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, when you're in all different sorts of walks of life than you are right now, his will for you in that moment, too, is to love God, love people, do everything for the glory of God, right? To speak salvation, to speak truth and life to other people. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You will grow... As you learn to know God better and better, I think that I think the word in there, learn is interesting because it's not just you'll grow as you know God better and better, as you learn to know God better and better. Because I can know Yana better and better every day just by spending time with her, but to learn to know her better. I think it's not, I think there's a difference between just, oh, I know her better because I spend more time with her every day, but like, I can learn to know her better because I get to know who she is. Does that distinction make sense? Yeah. Because, because it's not just, oh yeah, like I, I know her better because like I see her every day, but like, I learn to know her better. I learn who she is as a person. I learn why she likes things a certain way. I learn how she wants things done a certain way. I learn how she likes to receive love, how she likes to show love, as opposed to just, yeah, I know her better every day. Like, I know each of you a little bit better every day that I see you all, but I don't learn to know you better. Is it like if like, there was, like, you guys had rules in your relationship? As if, like, there's rules for God, and then as you, you could live with Yana forever. Sorry for using you guys again. You can, like, live with Yana forever, and let's say there's rules like, God, do this, this, and this. If you knew this forever, that's good. But if you don't learn the will of that, and like where that's actually coming from, to where the, now you no longer need those rules because you already know the will of Yana. 
you don't need a, you don't need those laws anymore. You don't need these rules anymore because you've already learned the will of Yana. So without even asking Yana anymore, you're just like, oh, I know to do this. I don't have to ask her. I don't have to go. I don't have to remember a law because now I know the will. And same thing with God. It's like, yep. I no longer need these laws because I should already know who God is, what his will is for me. And I just live life through the will of God and that's yep. no longer my will. Amen. That's a good example. Because, yeah, if you start off with, all right, Ten Commandments, all right, don't kill, mm -hmm. don't commit adultery, honor thy mother and father, you know, all these things, it's like, all right, that's that's getting to to, to know God. But as you learn to, to know God better and better, you'll be like, oh, right, he wants me to love people, not, oh, that's why he doesn't want us to murder. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> make, makes sense, God. I, I get that rule now. And it's like, oh, Oh, now I get why he wants us to honor thy mother and father. Oh, I get why we're not supposed to do this. Oh, we're not supposed to love other gods, only him. Only him. It's like, mm -hmm. that's not just because he's selfish and he just wants our attention and doesn't want it spread. It's like, he's the only God there is. Everyone else, everything else are these false things. It's like, getting to, to learn to know who God is better. We get to have that deeper understanding of who he is. And not just, oh, here are the rules, but... Oh, this is why. This is this is coming from who you are. Yeah. I was actually we were talking about this in Sunday school a couple weeks back. No, last week. Um, just about the different, like you you read about like the heroes of the faith. Like you when you're going through, we're going through the life of Moses right now. But like you look at the way that Moses just knew the character of God because he knew the character of God and they had that relationship he knew the will of God mm -hmm. and so he would oftentimes like he had he was in very tight communication with God but he was able to make a decision based on what he knew the will of God to be without necessarily conferring with him in that exact moment yeah. um, and it's mm -hmm. it's really remarkable to read about those people like the Elijah's in the Bible and um, and the Samuels and things like that you kind of go through and you're like wow okay how they lived for God, how they obeyed God, how right. they, they went on their journey and trusted God. Even when they stumbled, God was still there. Things right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what praying in Jesus' name means, right? All those things that are just sung about in, in worship, you know, that song like, I pray for a breakthrough, the circumstances will change, all these things. In Jesus' name. <laughs> right? Wait. That's 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 in God's will, like God, in your will, I am praying for this because, like, if you will it, then, then this is what you want. Like, you want these things, and I'm just being in, a, in agreement that these are things that I want because it's in your will. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that bring that belongs to His people who live in the light, for He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom forgave our sins the forgiveness of our sins the word um, sorry the word that is transferred in verse 13 transferred us so it says from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into his, the kingdom of his dear son that word uh, transferred um, from the ancient Greek word Ephesus. Oh, let's go with that. Uh, it literally translates to ascending the way. Ascending the way. So our sin and guilt is sent away because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So 
He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and sends us away into the kingdom of his dear son. Um, here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon um, for uh, Faithful in Every Good Work. Where is that? somewhere between 9 and 11 or 12 anyway faithful in every good work here is room and range enough in every good work have you the ability to preach the gospel preach it does a little child need comforting comfort it can you stand up and vindicate a glorious truth before thousands do it does a saint does a poor saint need a bit of dinner from your table Send it to her. Let works of obedience, testimony, zeal, charity, piety, and philanthropy all be found in your life. Do not, I think this is the key part here, do not select big things as your, spirit, as your special line, but glorify the Lord also in the littles, fruitful in every good work. Old language, but do not select big things as your special line, but glorify the Lord also in the littles faithful, sorry, fruitful in every good work, saying, don't let anything be too small of a thing to be able to be fruitful in every good work. Be fruitful in every good work, whether it's preaching or feeding someone, comforting someone, te uh, testifying the truth, helping someone, like all these things. Verse 14, why do they, uh, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Why is there like a emphasis on even the forgiveness of sins? Like if this is like the church and they are like, and they know who Jesus is. Is, that, like, is there a difference between redemption and forgiveness? That's, like um, that word is just kind of added in there to make it work with English. Okay. So I was just wondering, because it's like, like I was wondering if it was like, if they were talking to specific people that might have, that used to believe something else, and now they don't. Or so just, which word are you, are you on? It's not like the word, it's just like how he kind of said it. It was like, in whom we have, so the third thing at the end of it, it goes, in the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The word As if even. like they didn't know like, even the forgiveness of, like, I don't know, this thing, there's a distinct why, why is he telling them? Yeah, I'm not sure about that word. My translation says from 13, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Okay. Might just be, like, the, just a different, older English. Older, okay. Yeah. Might just be, like, a, like a verbiage or yeah. something. Okay, I was making sure. Even, just even the new King James just says redemption through his blood, comma, the forgiveness of sin. Yeah, I looked it up. Okay, so it's just re-emphasizing what just that redemption the, the is. Grammar, the okay. okay I was what verse? Sure. Uh, 14. 14. Just a, a, good, a good Bible study tactic whenever you come across something that raises a question is to just check like six different translations. Okay, yeah, because I do, yeah, I do that a lot with like, I have the study Bible, I was just, I don't have it with me now. And I was like, yeah, that makes no sense. All right, let's go on to 15. 
Um, let's go ahead and do 15 through 20 here. Who wants to take that? Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the line. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That goes along with what we just read. What you will read. We keep going in this order in Colossians 2, right, about Jesus being the full um, he is fully God, right? Christ is the way that you can see Jesus, we can see God in a visible way through Jesus when he was here on earth of the invisible God who we can't see. What strikes me there is that like in the beginning was the word, but the, the word, word wasn't word. visible at that point. Mm -hmm. like you don't see a word, you hear a word. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like you said that um, Abraham is like saved through his faith in the coming salvation, not in in his own life. So I think that, that word, when you break down, like, what does the word word mean? The word translates a, uh, a message. So, like, words that I'm speaking right now, it's translating a message to you. So in the beginning was the word. What was the word? The word was salvation. And Jesus is the word. He is the message. He is the message of salvation. Being That was always there. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. Because God is salvation. And he is the message. Jesus is the message. The way of bringing about that message. The word image of the very beginning there in 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Image expresses two different ideas here. Likeness and manifestation. Likeness, as in the image uh, of a reflection in the mirror, right? You, you see your image, you see your likeness in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, you see yourself, you don't see someone else shouldn't. Be creepy. And manifestation is the sense that God is fully revealed in Jesus. 
So that likeness, that image. Christ is the visible likeness of God. He is being reflected. And the manifestation, he is fully God. Sixteen says, For through him God created everything, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, right? The trees, the grass, the animals, the even some of the of the uh, of all the insects and once per mile, even all the ones that we can't see, right? And he made the things we can see and the things we can't see. You know, God, all those things that I mentioned in the beginning, the comet's trail, 10,000 miles long, being bottled up into one cubic square inch. Saturn's rings, half a million miles in circumference, but only, on average, about a foot thick. The human chromosomes, the insects in one square mile, more there than humans in the entire world. How fast the, the Earth travels around the sun, right? All of these things. God made all of these. These are just, that's just scratches of the surface of the things that we can't see or understand that we even know. And he made all the things that we can see. I wish humankind was more humble. You know what I mean? I, I know we all have, like, everybody in this world before God has a, a corruptible fleshly body that's like you know everything opposite of god you know selfishness uh pride all these things but i wish that or I, i'm praying right now to the lord <laughs> i pray lord that people in this world will be more open to hearing the truth to be more humble because you know, we all we all know that god made everything and that you know at the end what happens to all the people who didn't want God, who were hateful to people, things like that. I just doesn't that make you feel kind of like a sorrow in your heart that you wish that they actually wanted to try to change and stuff like that. It's like it's humbling because that's one of the reasons why I repented of my sins and I got rid of a whole bunch of sins, knowing that you know hellfire or the lake of fire, hell's like a jail cell, and then like the lake of fire is for eternity. Like, forever. That's so humbling to my heart to know that if I go to that place, I can't repent. I can't cry to God one time or two times or three times. I can scream as loud as I can, God saved me. But 500 years passed by, I'm still suffering. And that's why, that's why I really want this world to be so humble. Because we only live like a hundred something years on this earth then it's eternity you know what I mean so it's like hearing that most of the world's gonna perish and that a few will be saved it's, it's just sad how nobody wants to humble themselves to God you know what I mean God <laughs> you know I'm trying to process mm -hmm. being existing without God you know all the hairs in our body all the uh the, the skin what is it skin uh, skin cells or whatever stuff like that God made every little detail and stuff so yeah, it's so humbling mm -hmm. to serve him but yeah
let's take it from verse 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies with him in your minds, which was shown off by your evil actions. By now he has reconciled to you by his physical body through death. To present you before God as a people who are holy, faultless, and without blame. But you need to remain well established and rooted in faith, but not shift away from the hope given in the good news that you heard. This message has been preached throughout all creation in heaven, and I, Paul, became a servant. that says as a result he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single, single fault I hand all of it honestly really 23 but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it and you think about who he's talking to here right these Colossians who were they know of Jesus they accepted him, but they're kind of still holding on to their other gods, and then they're also being told, you know, do these you know, certain Jewish rituals and these other things, and he's telling them you're holy and blameless as you stand before him. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I think we need to be reminded of that too every day. Does Paul actually mention like the Greek gods in Colossians? Because I think he's I think it's a little bit more subtle than that that like these philosophies and like the Jewish law, they don't seem to be incompatible with the Christian life but the church in Colossus is letting that like infiltrate and yeah. take too much away from the place of Christ. He doesn't reference it directly, but he, that's what he's talking about in uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So I think that's kind of what he's talking about. Like, and there's all these other things that are going to try to capture your attention 
and they're gonna sound really smart, but it's high sounding nonsense. And like it'd be easy if we could just say like, oh yeah, that's like, those are the fake gods, and like clearly these guys were just misled, but it was like things that sound compatible, like oh, it's like these angels are like the emanations, and you gotta like follow it all the way back up the chain to get to the it's like that's not what it's about we follow Jesus and that's what gets us to the top mm -hmm. and, and speaking to people who are all the pressure with the, with the Jewish leaders about you know all these sacrifices they need to do all these things he's, he's Paul is telling them that they're holy and blameless not a single fault. Only way you could achieve that otherwise in the Jewish culture is presenting sacrifices. He's not saying, oh, if you you know continue to present sacrifices, then you're holy and blameless. No, he's like, you are, because like you said, you are. Not something you're, you need to work to attain. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him. In your guys' translation, is 23 like a condition? If, indeed. The if. Is that like the condition of like verse 22 in the body mm -hmm. of his flesh through the death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight yeah. if ye continue it? I'm just making sure that's, I'd that's say, not. I'd say it's a condition. Like it's a, the condition of being blameless. If you don't continue blameless. to believe in him and if mm -hmm. you're not standing in it, walking in him, mm -hmm. following him, walking with him. So it's not saying if you sin that you're not. If no. you do this, you're not. No, right. it's, saying, it's the other way around. Saying, it's the other way around. It's just yeah. you need to hold it's like something. It's like some chair. It's like. Don't hold God and be like, eh, I can just keep him in the cloth. And whenever judgment comes, I'll pull him out and be like, hey, look, right. I got Jesus. But it's more something like, you're going to sin, you're going to mess up, you're human. That's why we're no longer in the wall, we're under mm -hmm. the spirit. But it's like, I would just make sure this was like a condition of, right. you need to be able to, you need to still believe. You can't just throw him away. You need to only solely believe in mm -hmm. God, Jesus, and that yeah. is what will hold you yeah. blameless. In the same way, you can't just say, Jesus, I believe you and I accept you as my savior. And then just go back in life like nothing like, changed. Don't even ever think about the words. Yeah. That's the that's the, the whole quote thing. Unquote. Everything boils down to the heart posture. Where's your heart really at? I don't mean to cut you off, but right that's here. the quote unquote once they would always say. Yeah. And you have to remember he's saying this right before he deals with the whatever heretical beliefs that the Colossian church mm -hmm. had. So he's saying like, if you remain grounded and steadfast mm -hmm. in the faith and not shift it away. Right, he says that right before he goes in after whatever heretical beliefs they were taking on. He's correct. Yeah, so. yeah it's like Jesus is the perfect representation against the accuser Satan for us in the Sanhedrin. It's not going to do us well to then like look elsewhere when we already have that mm -hmm. perfect representation. Yeah. Like, don't believe in Christ and then go to someone else and also look for more wisdom and more knowledge. Like, yeah. don't try to double, or what's the word? Don't, don't try to double dip. That's what it is. Yep. <laughs> so I want to take this from 24 through the end of the chapter, but then also read the first four verses of chapter 2. I got it. Go for it. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me 
to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Sorry, through five. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is, how firm your faith in Christ is. Awesome. I think this really confirms what you were saying with Ben right there. Like, hey, this is plausible, right? Plausible arguments of like, hey, like, yeah, this sounds like it's fine. It, it can match up, right? Like, I can do this and I can also do this. Like, no, no, no. No, no. <laughs> this, is, this is it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is him, like, reinstating, like, no. Yeah, like, this is the way this is. Yeah. There's no more. There's no other, like, little things you can do where this is it. I like the wording in uh, NLT in verse 27. Um, it says, in the middle of that verse, And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Like we were just talking about, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. But tell everyone! about what he just said here or anything in general from all of chapter one all of chapter two what's the point of this what do we do with this what difference does it make to them what difference does it make to us i honestly feel that we oh i'll, I'll say two things we're looking at i'm looking at the verse 28 where it says in king james whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man or woman and all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus so I feel like or I just know that you know it's just like we tell people who are are lost or they're living in sin we tell them to humble themselves before God Almighty and that's pretty much it yeah. so it's it was, like oh my bad it's like man isn't, isn't it funny cause it's like we're this tiny ant and then God is like the size of Ben. And all God says do says to do is to just turn from evil because he's going to destroy evil at the end. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that was taken like also from verse 28. Is that near the end of it where it says that we may present every man perfect in Christ. 
like that because of Christ every man is perfect and that's what we should be like, like don't go around condemning everyone to hell like don't go oh you're a horrible human you're gonna die now or you're, oh you're a horrible human you have to follow my laws and if you don't follow my laws you're going to hell it's like no in Christ like spread the hope and the glory of Christ to every man you see or woman uh and present every man perfect in Christ. Like, don't present, like, even someone that's not a believer. Present him perfect in Christ. Say, like, when you talk to talk about him in Christ, say that, look, you'll be, con like, God already condemns us. Because, but, you know, I don't think he's trying to tell us, like, just go around the world being, like, I don't know, just, like, not judgmental freaks, but, like, people that just be go around. Be relatable. He's like, be really, yeah, exactly. Be like, look, I once, too, was... A sinner, I still am a sinner, but because of Christ, I too am per I am perfect in Christ. I'm not perfect because I sin, but everyone is perfect in Christ. I, I just like how it says it because I've never really seen that before. I've never even heard that before. Yeah, like we we each have our own testimonies to carry to like reach out to certain groups of people. That's how uh, God allowed us to. Of course, we rebelled and stuff doing our own thing, but you know God knits everything for our good and His glory. So. It's interesting how he doesn't, he's not, he's not condemning, like, people who follow the Torah, but he's like, that's not where your focus should be. He's not saying, like, if you do this or you don't do this worldly thing, it's gonna, like, it's gonna make the difference. He's like, you shouldn't even be focusing on whether or not people are doing this world thing in this world or that thing in this world. Like, the focus should be on the cross, mm. not not on anything that we do or don't do. Right. Yeah. Kind of bring it full circle, right? Like, when you know the character of God and you're doing things based on what his desires are, you're automatically doing things. It's like... When it, I can't remember where it says it, but like when you're walking in the spirit, you, you don't sin, right? Because you're walking with the spirit, and the spirit doesn't sin. So like, if you're if you're walking in step with the spirit, you're you're in good shape. And so yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think there's a lot more verses than the two verses. Like there are two verses that really stuck out to me. One was 19 and 20. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything. knowing exactly what the sacrifice was going to be and exactly what it was going to take, he was pleased to live in Christ. That, I, for me, that does wonders. Um, that's really unbelievable to think about, that the God of the universe, like the creation that we just talked about, mighty and worthy and majestic yeah. in all of these ways, was pleased to live in Christ, come to earth and die for you. Like, he was pleased to do that. That and the rest of the verse, right? Through him, God reconciled everything to himself, made peace with everything, 
and heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is the gospel message, right? This is what makes all of chapter one, all of chapters two and three, the whole, our whole being as believers and believing in Jesus, that is what makes this worth it. That is the truth that we pin our faith on, that we walk our lives living, believing. And if we believe that, if we believe that God made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross for me, for everyone, period, for people who don't believe in him, who blaspheme his name and are angry with him, if we truly believe that, then we are going to be going out like like what Paul did, right? Paul had a transformative encounter with Jesus that changed the course of his life completely that allowed him to write the words that we are reading today thousands of years later. Why? Because he so fully believed and loved the Lord and needed people to know, not just wanted people to know, but needed people to know it so that they could believe it and understand it for themselves and walk with him. Like, that's it. That is what this whole book comes down to, is believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he was God, and God was pleased to do it for us, and because he was pleased to do it for us, we get to be with him forever. Like, that is the whole point. And I think if, as believers, we talked more about that and just shared it relatably, shared it honestly with people, we're like, look, I'm nothing without this truth. Like, this truth has changed my life, and this is why. This is who I was before Jesus. This is who I am now. You would see so many more people humble themselves, come to the Lord, ask you questions about who he is, if we could really do this, if we really believe this. So those verses were really, really stuck out to me. I mean, a lot of stuff, again, in this chapter, like so much stuff. But those two verses, especially 19, that one, that one really stuck out. Yeah, that's true. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. It's pretty much that simple. <laughs> cool. Any final thoughts? I was gonna say one more thing. Like with like what Jackie was saying, like that's a good way to like combat the people that say like, well, why did God create us this way? It was like because like God knew like He was gonna create us, and He knew we were gonna fall, and He knew we were gonna fall into sin. So then why did he even create us in the first place? Because he wanted to show like that love. He wanted to show that it is pleasing to him to do this because it's like a great big love story. From the beginning of him, to like when they say like he created all things for by him, like he created all things by him and for him. He created us knowing we would sin. He created us knowing that we would he would have to die for us. I think that's just a cool way to say God did know we were going to do this and the reason why still did it was because he loved us he wanted a relationship with his creation not just it's like when, like when an artist paints a painting they don't just want to paint a painting and then hide it they want it to be they want to have be pleased and be seen so they want something out of it they don't want to just create something and then not have anything no attachment to it so i think that was just something what jack was bringing up a very good way to combat the people to say look you weren't just created to die and be sinful and just suffer you're created to recognize who Christ is and that he loves us. And we all long for, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, you already know I'm about to say how God created us all with like a God-shaped heart to desire him. And then, you know, he 
people just try to find it in so many other things in this world. But really, it's Jesus who can only fulfill the heart. Jesus who can only uh, heal the heart. Jesus who can only literally just... He's everything. I am. I, he told me like that, like I think it was like three months ago or something like that. He's like, I am your doctor. I am your father. I am. I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh. All right. Okay. I've been thinking. Yeah. I've been, I don't know. I've been thinking over the past couple months especially but like as as i've been kind of going throughout life like th just little things are happening when it comes to like if, let me let me see if i can give an example so if you had like there was this area that you could get free property uh, that was going to be worth 10 million dollars and you knew for sure that it was going to be worth 10 million dollars in 30 years and all you had to do like you could claim your amount of property and then you could tell other people that they could claim this amount of property and then they could get their 10 million dollars worth of property in 30 years like is there anybody you wouldn't tell knowing that if you <laughs> knew for sure it was legit and it wasn't a scam or anything like that is there anything is there anybody that you wouldn't tell that's heavy. right <laughs> like but realistically speaking like yeah. it's so much better like, we have a much better deal than a $10 million property in 30 years. Mm. Like, we got a much better deal on earth and in heaven. Like, not even, like, including the eternity part. Like, just the relationship with Jesus that we have on earth right. is worth, well worth more than that. Um, like, yet, for some reason, like, we psych ourselves out. Like, I'm, as a lot of you guys know, like, I'm working with Windows now, right? I have the greatest window product on the market. There is not a better window out there that you could possibly buy that's better than mine. <laughs> but who cares about windows? Like, we're talking about Jesus. Like, it's mm. it's so much bigger than that. Like, we, like, you can actually buy other windows. There's no other God. Like, there's nobody else. You, you know what I mean? You can't buy God. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, real, the realistic aspect of it is that we have no, there's no alternative to him and like why be confident in windows and hesitant in Jesus does that make sense yeah, kind of like that's what been what's going through my head lately like like that's the reality of it is like I can have the most confidence in like windows but windows are nothing in comparison and so like that's been I've been a lot more confident in my faith over the past couple months it's been really great to learn just because it's like okay like who cares who cares if they don't like the window I have the best window product who cares if they don't like God? Like, he is the only God. I might as well try. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah, I like it. Cool. It's like nobody conviction of the heart. Like, just like tell you where your heart is. Mm -hmm. Like, when you said, like, the, like, when you said, too, yeah. you said, like, the 10 million dollar, like, for, like, the, the land, I was like, I'd go around telling everyone. Or in the but same. then you, like, you flipped it and it was like, what about Jesus? And I was like, brother, why are you getting around? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, like my immediate like because the, the immediate reaction in my heart was oh I would tell freaking everyone like that's yeah. pretty, that's legit that's get everybody that's, cool. that's sick deal yeah. but then like you said Jesus and I was like oh man Zach why you gotta, why you gotta <laughs> in the you same way like, how how often do we tell people about our job mm -hmm. we do for work and brag about our work but don't brag about Jesus yeah yeah that's like uh, a lot of times like when you're at a, a place where like you're meeting a bunch of new people it's first question is what do you do for work or it's like hi who are you it's like 
oh my name is Ben, like I work for this company, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like because like we kind of we kind of identify ourselves with our job that like, we kind of make that who we are. Like, oh this is my job, this is who I am. That's like, you know it, but we don't identify ourselves with God who is the one who gives us our identity. It's not like, oh hi, I'm Ben. I'm a follower of Jesus. He's my everything and uh, I just want to make sure everyone knows about him. And then it's like Hi, I'm Bob. I worked at a Bob's Discount Furniture. Uh, I'm a regional <laughs> sales manager. Like, you know, like we identify ourselves by our jobs as opposed to the one who gives us our identity. And it's, yeah, we can be so confident. Like, you meet someone for the first time. What kind of windows do you have? Do you need well, windows? But like, we're not gonna meet someone for the first if time. You open, like, do you know Jesus? You open any of the epistles. What job does Paul tell you about? Does he tell you about have Wait. we made tents? No, he tells <laughs> you about. His job is spreading the gospel. Yeah. Like, I'm a servant for Christ. Really, that's like the first thing, like all his introductions, all of his letters. I am Paul. I love Jesus. This is Colossians. <laughs> like every letter he Colossians writes. Colossians 1.1, what we just read. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an like apostle of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we all got invited to his kingdom, but now it's our job to spread out and invite more people into his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just noticed that. That's how it starts each letter. Uh, Ephesians, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ. Philippians, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. You know, like, you just keep looking back at all this. Second Corinthians, this is letters from Paul, chosen by the will of God, to be the apostle saying. of Jesus Christ. Every beginning to every single one of his letters is, I'm Paul. This is who I am. Yeah. Hi, I'm Paul. That's like, you know, Stop. hello, my name is, child of the one true king, right? Hello, my name is. Anyway, cool, good stuff, guys. I thought like we'd just keep talking, but I'm going to head off here. <laughs> God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for making us complete in Christ. Uh, by giving us our identity only through your son. Help us to be reminded of that every day, to not just go about and be excited. Help us to be excited for what we do and to glorify you in our work, but help us to be more excited for who we are in you, for being sons and daughters of the, tr- of the true king, of being chosen of God, of being chosen. Help us to, to be like Paul here, to, to go about introducing ourselves as, as who we are in Christ, Chosen by the will of God. The will of God chose me to be an apostle, to be one to proclaim your good news. That you would choose someone like me, someone like people in this room, that you chose us from your will. It's your will that we would be the ones to be able to spread your good news. That is a high, high thing to live up to. But yet you've called us to do it and to say that we are worthy to do so. Not because of what we've done to make ourselves worthy, but because of who you are, who we are in Christ. Thank you so much for your word here. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, just pray that um, that you continue to use us and that we would step up and that we would be courageous and that we would go and share your word to share the gospel and the truth to everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.